Welcome to Therapist in Your Pocket, the podcast that's here to wrap you in warmth and sprinkle a little bit of sunshine in your life. I'm your host, Lucy Ellis, and I'm thrilled to have you here with me. I'm passionate about creating a safe space for open and honest conversations where we explore the depths of the human mind and heart. My mission is to enliven, inspire and enrich your life by helping you discover your inner strength, your worth, your uniqueness, your special source. Remember though that Therapist in Your Pocket is not a replacement for professional therapy. The insights and the advice shared here are meant to support and inspire, not to diagnose or replace individualized care. Your well-being is so unique and so personal to you. So self-responsibility is key. What we discuss may not be 100% applicable to your unique circumstances. So let's embark on this transformative journey together with an open heart and a spirit of exploration. You're in great hands and I'm here to guide you with warmth and understanding. Let's dive in. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Therapist in Your Pocket. Today I have with me a beautiful, beautiful, special soul, shiny, bright, bubbly person that I've um, picked up along the way and I'm really excited to introduce her to my community, my listeners um, because I believe that um, she has so much gorgeous offerings to give to this world and she does and I want you to know about them and her name is Michaela. And she is a 4-6 manifesting generator. And like a true many Jenny, she has many job titles and interests. Uh, But at the core, she loves to hold space for women returning to their feminine power and their innate wisdom. The connection that she finds by being a part of a community nourishes her soul and I believe that all us women can relate and understand what it feels like to be part of a community. I find she finds community in her part-time job working as a barista in a small community which is actually where I originally met her and we're going to get into that in a moment and through the yoga studios that she teaches and practices at. Her simple pleasures include black coffee, ocean swims and a romance book. She's a little romantic. Hello Michaela, welcome. Hi Lucy, thank you so much for having me. I am super excited and nervous to be here. Yeah, is this your first (laughs) podcast? My very first podcast. Thank you. Oh, well, I enjoy, you know, helping you through that process and go you. What a what a celebration to be popping your podcast cherry today. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, 
the most uh, comforting person to do that with. Thank you for holding the space. I really look forward to popping my cherry with you, Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I first met Michaela in the small little community that she works in as a barista um, in Stockton, Newcastle, uh, which is where I live. And I remember, uh, well, you know, meeting Michaela and just always thinking, wow, what a vibe, what a beautiful, sunshiny, gorgeous vibe. And I was drawn to you from the get-go. And I remember, and I didn't know that you were doing all these other things that we're going to talk about today. I, I didn't, wasn't aware of that, but I knew your aura was just so sparkly and, you know, from one sparkly aura to the next, I was, um, I, you may not have seen me at my most sparkliest because I would just rock up there straight out of bed <laughs> early in the mornings, <laughs> but you were always sparkly at like 6am and there was this one well, moment where I went in and um, you were telling a colleague about a dream that you had and I think that that was our first conversation where I think things started opening up between the two of us and I think it was a, you had a snake in your dream or something like that I can't yeah remember. possibly and I was like yeah tell me about your dream I want to mm. know and we just had this little exchange then and then from there um, I went on to see that you were a yoga teacher and all these many other things. So tell us, tell us, Michaela, what what do you do? How do you serve our beautiful community? Yes, I um I'm remembering that now, the the dream piece, and that's how we first connected. And I really loved how you were like, Yes, tell me about this. This lights me up. I wanna know. And that's definitely when I saw the passion in you that I hold in myself and that really um, opened my heart even more to you and was really excited to learn that you do all these amazing things as well that really um, complement what I do too. So that was really cool. What was the question? What do you, What are all the beautiful things that you do? <laughs> I mean, apart from serving beautiful black coffee, yeah. I loved reading that you're a black coffee lover as well because I'm a black coffee lover and I think yes. there, there's not many, I mean, most people don't drink black coffee. You would be able to tell us how frequently do people, you know, if there was a percentage of people that drink black coffee, what do you reckon the percentage would be? So I would say we would go through about, 35 to 40 kilos of milk blend coffee uh, in a week and about four to five kilos of black coffee in a week. So the percentage is pretty small. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so how did you get into black coffee? Let's just let's just pull apart this black coffee um, connection that we have as well. I mean, I didn't know that you also loved black coffee. For yes. me, yeah. it was a gradual... Um, it was a gradual decline from, you know, having cappuccinos 
to um, then recognising that milk wasn't great and then almond milk just didn't feel right and then uh, probably a health kick and then just I could not go back after Mm. that. I just couldn't go back um, to milky coffees. What was your journey with a black coffee? Mine was the complete other end of the spectrum. Um, So I was not a coffee drinker. I did not like coffee. And I somehow got a job in a specialty coffee shop, specialty coffee working as a barista. And I had to learn how to drink coffee. So I I would shot an espresso shot, like the smallest amount of coffee I could with a bit of sugar. And I would just shop that basically and kind of built up my tolerance to it. Um, And then eventually cut out the sugar piece and added a bit of water for a long black. And since moving to Newcastle, I've discovered filter coffee. So it is a lot more floral and fruity and a lot more notes. It's not as harsh as a long black, Um, but I still love both. They both still have their purpose. yeah. So and no wonder little... you love long blacks because you make a really good long black. Mm-hmm. So thank, thank you for that because not everybody <laughs> does. They don't. It's, it's always a bit of a gamble. It's like, yeah. oh, will I get one if I don't know the coffee shop? It's like, mm. and then, yeah. I'm the same. I am a real coffee snob. So if I go to a cafe that I don't know the coffee roaster, if I don't know it's good coffee beans and I don't know how they work and I'll probably get a milky coffee. If I get a mocha, you know that I'm trying to hide some bad coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. You're getting all the kicks. (laughs) Just the sweetie goodness. Yeah. Beautiful. (laughs) So apart from being a beautiful barista, what other how else do you serve our world, our community? Like I said in my bio, I do many things. Um, This first started as a yoga teacher. I first started practicing yoga a little over 10 years ago now. And that kind of turned into the question of if I could work without getting paid, what would I be doing? And for me, I was like, I love kids and I love yoga. So why would I be a kid's yoga teacher? And I had this really great idea that I would do that. And I went and did my yoga teacher training and started practicing, you know, my first week out of my yoga training. I had a workshop lined up for kids yoga in a really small community. And I probably stuck with this for six to eight months and discovered that I don't like teaching kids yoga. <laughs> it, wasn't for me. it wasn't for me. I didn't have the the storytelling ability that you need to be a kids yoga teacher. I I just didn't have that ability in me. Um, and then that kind of shifted and pivoted, and I moved into teaching adults yoga, and found my passion for working with women throughout pregnancy and into postpartum. And that's really where I started to find all of the goodness and excitement of being a yoga teacher was being able to serve women through this matrescence period, this really big transitional piece in their life um, to uh, not only serve as a new mum with a newborn and all of the struggles that come with that, 
but to also help hold women in that space so they can find who they are as a new mum and they can find that love and compassion again for themselves in just themselves and in a community as well. So that's where it started to evolve and this started happening um, about 2019, same time I started working as a barista as well. So these are happening side by side and I eventually opened up a yoga studio in my small town, Ipswich in Queensland, and we opened the studio January 2020. You can guess how the story goes. (laughs) In those first nine weeks, it was so beautiful. I had made and grown a really beautiful community of new mums. I had a really great... um, backing there of new mums that were coming to connect themselves and each other. And then also a beautiful community of just adults practicing yoga as well. And they themselves had their own little tight-knit community that was really special. So I was practicing um, yoga, teaching at the studio six days a week. And when I wasn't there, I was having coffee with the beautiful women, having coffee with my tribe. And then COVID hit and we were online for 10 weeks. So we went from being in studio for nine to being online for 10, which was such a weird adjustment. But the community was so beautiful and loyal that, you know, they made it work for me and we came back after COVID and things kind of started kicking along again. And I remember eventually having circles. We did some beautiful new moon circles and had some lovely events that started happening again in the studio. And then I got to a point, this was this knowing within me that I wasn't meant to be in Ipswich, that I wasn't meant to be in a relationship that I was in, that I needed to come home to Newcastle, that I needed to start putting down roots. And I just I didn't feel secure and safe enough to put down roots in Ipswich. So this was a very long and hard journey to come back to my true knowing and to accept that I might have to hurt some people in the process to come back to my true knowing, which was a really hard journey to accept. Um, So I had to break up with my boyfriend who I'd been with for four years um, and I had to let down my community who had no yoga studio left to go to. Um, There was maybe two classes besides mine a week that they could practice with. And so I had to let a lot of people down so I could be true to myself. And that was really hard. I uh, took a long time to uh, work through that. On the other side, a lot of uh, kind of hermit mode, just turning inwards and really finding out that true self. And then through that healing journey, I begun to blossom again. It started coming together. Um, I moved down to Newcastle. I moved in with my mom for like nine months. And during that time, we had one more lockdown. So it was a really great time for me to really be doing this inner work. And then I found Reiki and I did my level one and two in Reiki Holy Fire. I then and when I then did my Reiki Masters my Reiki Masters means that I'm able to teach other people and attune other people to Reiki energy. I spent a lot of time learning about human design. 
design, astrology, numerology, and just started to notice all the synchronicities in that and how they help bring you back to your true self and your true identity. And most recently, I have just completed my three-month training as a spiritist breathwork facilitator and somatic healing. That's been the last piece of the puzzle that's brought us up to now. Wow. Wow. What a, what a big time of it, um, making that decision to, to come and land back here, back home back in Newcastle. So you are originally from Newcastle, but you flew the coop, you you went and um, were living away for a, a while. And um, I, th- I think from COVID, that is what we all, well, hopefully a lot of us learned to do was to recognise what is it that I need mm-hmm. and can I follow that path that is maybe not before 2020 where I was even looking like it changed paths for for me I mean I had a health collective um autumn rooms in Derby Street was my go-to um because I had I don't know if you know this about me Michaela but I had a, a um just off Derby Street on Queen Street I had a um, big um, health collective, which um, housed over 20 health practitioners. We had a big workshop space. We were, um, yeah, we had yoga in there. We had all sorts of different workshops in there and many consult rooms. Um, and after 2020, when I, I closed Newcastle Health Collective down in about 2021 maybe, uh I came online completely, 100%, you know, and mm. I would never have seen that happening um, before then, you know. I was I was out there and I had my beautiful tribe. My, and so I understand and I feel exactly that, having to tell all those practitioners that homed their beautiful, oh, and the work that they did, so beautiful. Um, that I'm going to go into my hermit and I'm still in my cave. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> I think it's still, I think it's changed us all so much. So, um, yeah. but wow, in this time, look at all of this healing that you've done. Yes, it's been a journey. And it sounds like it's been a journey back to you. Back Most definitely. Yes. Yeah. And now where are you? Um, for example, I know that that was one of the things that you said you're passionate about helping women with is coming back home to themselves. And um, I mean, there's no doubt about it. It feels amazing. Um, but I, I do want to talk about how easily it is to lose ourselves. How easily it happens um, with potentially chasing, not chasing, well, yeah, chasing or thinking, um, uh, focusing on what our head wants us to do or what we should do or what our life should look like. 
instead of connecting with what it is our true self wants to do. Mm, definitely. I think it's so easy to get caught up in that. And as women in particular, we have this really big people-pleasing mentality that we have been brought up with, I guess, that is really that we need to be good girls and we need to sit in our spot and we need to be quiet and we need to do X, Y, Z, um, whether that's to be a career woman these days or whether that is to be a mom and to create a family and to have to have that whole life. Um, and I think it gets so easy to forget about what we want in those times. I think at some point we do want those things you know it feels so real for me I wanted to be in a relationship and I wanted to be I wanted to have a yoga studio that was the dream at the time that was the idea that I had in my head that I had made it as a yoga teacher if I had a yoga studio and I had this beautiful community and I could make it work then I'd made it in that scene and from the outside it looked like I had made it and that was the piece that kind of played around in my head for quite a while is okay I've got the boyfriend and I've got the yoga studio you know, what else is there to add and for so many people we really get caught up in that and it's kind of that quietening down and beginning to listen to uh, what our little voice inside is actually saying for me when I started to quieten down it was like yes I want to be in a relationship but this relationship isn't serving me on a soul level so having to shift that idea and also with the yoga studio my passion for me wasn't to have a studio and be a business owner my passion was to serve my community and to bring people together for support and the warmth and the love that happens only when we are in community, that healing that can happen in community. That was when my real passion was. So finding, you know, it was kind of more of an unlayering, letting go of those layers to come back to the crux of, the true meaning and the true the true reason why I am doing this. Yeah, that's that's so true because I I have a lot of clients that say to me, I don't know why I'm unhappy. Like my life is good. Like I've you know, I've got this and this and this and this and this. Why aren't I happy? Mm. And we tend to focus so much on achievements or what the um, what society expects of us to have by a certain age, you know, um, and be partnered up, have a child, you know, start the family, have the job, all the things. Uh, but then we're left feeling a bit empty mm. um, and we can't figure out why. And that's because we haven't 
listen to ourselves and we haven't um, followed our own calling um, Mm -hmm. and given ourselves the space to even go, hang on a minute, what do you want? What, What do I want? What do I really want? What lights me up or what fulfills me? Yes. Yeah. And although this sounds very simple, it can be really hard for people to ask themselves these questions, to even sit with themselves. Mm-hmm. Because they then might come to the realization at 30 or 40 that shit, the life that they've made is not the life that they want. And then how do I unravel that? How do I begin the journey of unraveling that? And it becomes such a big identity crisis then because we've created a whole identity around these labels and these structures, these relationships, and how can I unravel that and come back to myself? I'm going to have to hurt some people that I really care about so I can make me happy because right now I'm sacrificing my happiness I'm hurting myself just so I can make someone else happy and that is such a hard thing to wrap your head around that actually you're the one who needs to put you first and come back to yourself Um, yeah it's a hard journey and that's why we need people to support us that's why we need our coaches that's why we need these therapists that can help guide us and trust in us to uh, come back to ourselves and to find the truth in ourselves mm. takes takes a community. Yeah, it takes a community and it takes a hell of a lot of courage mm-hmm. to look. And, you know, I can understand why people may not look because rather it's just too difficult, too hard. Um, and being, you know, I would say a bit like the black coffee and the milk grade coffee um, in relation to people pleasers. Um, we're all milk drinkers, people pleasers. <laughs> There's a lot of people pleasers that are women out there and I think they'd rather, they'd rather you know, oh gosh, um, rather not know the truth if that meant hurting or having to speak their their truth. So I believe that, you know, even um, the the little things that you can do, like the meditations, the yogas, that start the process even of just coming into a community and for that one hour, 45-minute meditation, whatever you're doing, Facilitating is just a little opening of what it, what is what is there, and it doesn't, and it, you know you don't have to. I think the message that I want to give is that you don't have to unpack it all in one session. You know, yes. Um, there's many many layers. Mm. Yeah, isn't there? Yes, this healing journey, it's. Kind of forever. I'm sorry to break it to you, but it's forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I kind of get caught up in it sometimes. I'm like, 
but I've done my healing. I've done my hard work. Why aren't I fully healed? And then another lesson comes up and it's another deep dive into that really uncomfortable spot to be able to crack your heart open even more and just step more into your power. This healing journey, it's not linear. It's not like A to B and you're done. It's all over the shop. It's A to Z to C to E, back to M, and it's it's a forever journey. Yeah. I quite often tell my clients that it's a spiral. Yes. We go in a spiral. Um, and so each time that circle comes back around and hits that, you know, that same story, you're hitting it again, but you're in a different position than you were last time you hit it and there's a different knowing there's a different lesson here there's a you know there's a different layer um for you to to open up and move with but yeah I agree the work is never done nor do I want it to be done yes you know wild isn't it am I just a sucker for pain and suffering (laughs) No, but I love it. Yeah. And I definitely resonate with that spiral. I think the same thing. I think for me, my belief is that universe works in this spiral kind of method. Um, and we we learn lessons. You know, you kind of, when you start noticing, noticing the patterns, you begin to see that these lessons come back around. And each time, like you said, you have new tools and you have new ways to deal with this situation or to deal with this lesson. And each time, it becomes a little bit easier to fully accept that lesson. And I find it kind of gets to this really pointy part of the spiral where maybe the lesson's looping back a couple of times in really quick succession. But each time it's a little bit easier to stand in your truth and to stand in your boundaries for yourself and for other people and kind of finally get to that lesson. Um, Yeah, and then there's a bit of a break and then this new lesson kind of comes about and you go through this new spiral. But each time and each layer, there's so many more tools that you have. Okay, this is how I did this last time. I can implement that again and maybe implement one more new step. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Or experience different types of thera- therapies or um, access a different therapist or um, have a new experience like, for example, breathwork or somatic mm-hmm. releasing or depending on what it is that um, you're needing support with. It's a bit yeah. like seasons, I believe, um, mm-hmm. and... I think about that's how my dreams come in too. Um, they come in all at once and then I have a bit of a dry spell. Um, and I know I'm dreaming because we're always dreaming, but I can't quite grasp the dreams. But wh- I know that when my dreams are really ramping up, um, I'm going through a season of healing again. And, um, yeah, when, when, there's, when there's a little bit of a reprieve, then... Yeah, it's time to, I suppose, act from that wisdom, isn't it? Um, yeah. And until the next little bit of um, wisdom needs to come through because that's what healing is. It's growth. It's wisdom. It's actually breaking you down to recognise that, hey, I don't, I don't know it all. <laughs> really? <laughs> I don't 
don't know it all. I just need – it's more and more and more surrender. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, really. And I love how you say that, you know, these seasons and you notice those seasons starting to come when your dreams ramp up. And I think that's really a key part of the healing each time you can kind of take a step back, know that these dreams ramping up means that I am going through this season in my life where I have a lot to work through. And it kind of makes it a little less of a victim mentality because you can then choose to take control of that. It's like, okay, I need to implement more practices in my day to ground me, to support me, to help me through this. Um, I think that awareness is definitely key of the, the healing journey to really take control. 100%. Yeah, leaning in, not going, not being scared of what's coming up for us. I mean, gosh, look, it's natural to feel scared, isn't it? natural to definitely yes yeah um so I want to talk to you about I love I love this conversation and and um how to connect people back with themselves but I wonder if you have any practices that can support people right now they're listening to this and they're going yeah I think I do have a few things bubbling up around me and I um, and I'm trying hard to ignore them, but they're not going away. <laughs> what can what can somebody do just to even take that first step, or just to be reminded again? You know that they they that's right. I've got to come back to myself. I've got to come back to myself. It's mm. a good question because there's many, many, many answers. Mm. <laughs> For me, I would suggest to someone who's really feeling a lot, a lot right now and maybe resisting feeling all of it, it can come down to many things, but I'm guessing that their nervous system is probably pretty fried right now and they haven't got the capacity to feel their emotions and to feel all of the things that are weighing them down. There's probably two practices that I would suggest doing just to help shift some of that energy and one of those would be to shake so standing feet flat on the earth soft knees and you just start bouncing a little bit bouncing and that helps to release some of that tension and emotion and it might be like shake you might need to scream Maybe scream into a pillow if you've got other people around. You might need to uh, maybe hit something or maybe there's tears that need to be released. So just to kind of allow yourself to feel that surface level emotion that's there that we keep trying to bury down. Um, So shaking is one of my favourite ways to help shift stuck emotion that I'm having trouble feeling. And sometimes I just even include tapping around the chest to help bring up any other emotion and this is such a simple practice because you can do it in two three minutes and I would recommend adding these small little habits into every single day so one of them first thing in the morning and maybe just before you go to bed or maybe on a lunch break just take a couple of minutes to shake to bounce up and down shake shift some of that energy second thing I would do for so many of us we are in a state of hyper or hypo arousal and it, it 
might be hard to tell which one you're in to begin with. But my second favorite tool would be to use the breath. To use a restorative breath. So if you've been in a high stressful situation, particularly if you're a woman and you've been at a workplace and you've been in your masculine energy all day and you want to shift back to your feminine energy and to slow down before you walk into the house, it would be a restorative breath, which is a exhale twice as long as an inhale. So for an example, a four breath, four count inhale and an eight count exhale. What happens there with the breath, the inhale increases your heart rate and the exhale decreases your heart rate and slows you down. So ultimately, if you're breathing out twice as long as you're breathing in, you're going to help calm your nervous system down. Two little tools that only take a couple of minutes every day. And this is going to start helping you to connect to... Uh, yourself you're going to begin to learn when you need to shake to release some tension and emotion and maybe to help bring yourself back up so if you're in a lower state the shaking can help bring the energy up and out and if you're in a really heightened state and super stressy and have a lot happening too many things going at once the restorative breath is going to bring you down this is where you begin to learn which one you need to choose to bring you back into this state if you're already really tired, sleepy, haven't got much motivation, then the restorative breath is probably just going to add to that, whereas the shaking would wake you up a little bit more. So beginning to play with those in your day, finding the habits and finding these practices so you can begin to lean on them when you need them. Doing these practices daily really creates the habit and really gets you to learn how it affects your body. I can tell you how it affects my body, but how does it actually affect your body? And I think that's a key point there is we're not doing it just to tick a box. To, we're doing it to check in with ourselves afterwards and go, how do I feel after that? You know, mm. or do, do I feel better? Do I, do I feel more grounded? Great. Oh, yeah, I really do feel like I've changed my state. Um, that right there is showing up for yourself um, and it, that right there can also begin to open you up to really allowing those other things that need to come through to come through um, and potentially reaching out for extra support. It's yeah. so true to that check-in. It's a check-in um, mm. that we're doing. It's a connection with ourselves because... Some people that I speak to, they don't even, when I ask them what is it they want, they're like, huh? You're talking to me. <laughs> I get, I get, what? Um, me? Me? Yeah. What is it that I want? I don't know. I don't even know how I'm feeling, you know? So. Definitely. Yeah. 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 It kind of brings back that personal responsibility to, you know, when you start to learn how your emotions are affecting you you can take charge of that do I want to be feeling this way in this situation how can I take back that control and allow the allow myself to feel the emotion but not to be controlled by the emotion mm. yes yeah absolutely mm. that is a big one that mm. <clears throat> I love to it's like we um 
we want to stay in our adult. So when we're in our emotion or when we're having an emotion, it's lighting up our, our child brain, which is definitely saying our inner child needs help and support and love here, not for the child to fully take over the situation, but for us to mother or for us to um, parent or nurture the emotion without being flooded by the emotion. That's a real skill that we need to learn. It's not something that we just go, you know, um, and potentially, you know, if you've had a childhood where you've been allowed to have emotions, where you've um, been given the space, be seen, be heard, be held in your emotion and you understand that it's safe to have emotion, then maybe it is something that you can naturally have. But, you know, a bit like black coffee and, and, and <laughs> the ratio between black coffee and milk drinkers, um, there's probably more people out there that just haven't had that recognition or that knowledge, or that skill hasn't been developed within them to be able to hold their emotion. I know it's something that I have had to learn um, and still learning today, you know. Mm. Um, There's still moments where I am in my child fully, 100%, all of it's happening and I'm in my child. Uh, But when you actually start to hold your emotions, wow, you can stay regulated Mm -hmm. and you can be in your adult while still having an emotion. Yes. Um, it feels very nourishing and nurturing and it doesn't take over um, your body. Yeah. Yes. And all it needs, all of our emotions, all they need is recognition and acknowledgement and love and yes. to, to be allowed to be there, right? Definitely. Yeah, how beautiful. And I love that analogy of, you know, the emotions being the child. I often tell people, if you're a child and you're upset, how would you want to respond to that child? You want to hug them? You want to tell them that they're okay? You want to uh, let them know that they are loved, regardless if they're angry or sad or whatever the emotion is, that it's okay to feel that and that they're still loved and worthy even though they're feeling this emotion, and that it will pass. Emotions, when we allow ourselves to feel an emotion in this way, when you can hold the child, when you can hold the emotion and still stay in your adult, emotions will only last in the body for 90 seconds. And if an emotion is lasting more than 90 seconds, then you're getting caught up in the story, you're getting sucked under by that emotion, and you're letting the story fuel the fire of the emotion when you can actually hold that child and allow the emotion to be held and expressed, it's actually going to pass a lot quicker, which, again, is another tool and another lesson. It's very hard to get to that point sometimes, and it's not always going to be just a 90-second emotion. There's times when it's much bigger. Well, that's right, especially if you've repressed it. Yes. You know, I think that's one of the biggest – the things that we have adapted to survive in our life is to not show our emotion um, because that's also seen as something that 
we shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we suppress our emotions. So then when it actually wants to come through and we're giving space to it, yeah, it might last a little longer than 90 seconds. Um, and, yeah, but and also it's going to last a lot longer than 90 seconds if we're trying, if we're blocking the release of it. And yes. Yeah. Yes. Only definitely. letting a little bit out. <laughs> yeah, totally, because then you have to feel it so many more times, right, because you're not allowing yourself to fully express. Mm-hmm. And if you've pushed it down for years and years and years and years, there's a lot of layers and a lot of threads that come into that emotion that need to be felt. So it does it does take a long time to really unlayer, unpack, to really get to the deep root of of that fear, that trauma, that trigger, that emotion, and what's lying there. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yes, the, that's interesting what you say about the threads of that repression that we hold down because I have a lot of clients say to me, oh, my goodness, can't open that can of worms. I'll be crying for days. I'm so worried that if I start crying now, I won't be able to stop crying. Mm. And I always say that there is there is a bottom. Yes. There, It's not, it's not um, going to last forever. There yeah. is certainly an emptying out of a release that you will get to. Um, they will, they, the, the tears do stop. They do. Yeah. And mm. I, what's this thing about fear of crying? Mm. I mean, we were told as a child, weren't we? Stop crying or you won't get X, Y, Z. Stop crying. Why are you crying? Or I'll cry and I'll give you something to cry about. Yeah. yeah. That was a big one for my generation growing up and I know a lot of people. Yeah. That was that's ingrained in them. And like you said, it it does feel like when you're in the thick of it, it feels like it's never going to end. Mm. But we come back to this thing that nothing stays the same forever and that it will end, that it is going to change. And the steps that you take after the integration that's really where the key of the healing is so yes you need to open this can of worms and you need to feel the yuckiness inside you and need to allow yourself to cry to feel to grieve to grieve this part of you that maybe wasn't loved or was told that they weren't worthy to feel those parts and then you have the choice to implement the steps after that to nourish that hurt piece of you, to nourish that little child. So to return back to the love, the compassion, the forgiveness time and time again. So next time, you know, you get a little bit of stuff in your can and it overflows, then you have the chance to reparent, to relearn, to comfort yourself so it doesn't last as long each time. And that's the spiral. You know, the first one, it's going to be big. It's massive. And then the next one, it's a little easier to deal with because you know that there's another side to it. You know the steps it's going to take. Or you know who to ask for help this time. You know, each time 
the spiral loops back around, you have more tools. And that's why I, you know, if we don't know how to hold ourselves in emotion, this is exactly why you would reach out and have some therapy. Yes. Um, and because if you are held in your emotion, guided, loved, seen, supported, it's you are allowing yourself to have this emotion and it to be okay in the presence of love. So you're having a new relearning about this emotion and that, that hope, hopefully helps you to love this emotion, to recognise that this emotion just needs love, like everything. Um, and, and you can start to connect with this part of you, like you say, the part that didn't feel loved. You can give it the love, you know. Mm. Um, so as uh, I wanted to say Eckhart Tolle, but it wasn't Eckhart Tolle. Somebody said, oh, man, I can't I, – I forget who it was, but it's never too late to have a good childhood. Mm. Yeah. Yes, that's so nice. Mm. I, I love how you said about, you know, we sit, have this perception that this healing journey is that hermit mode and you go inwards, but really it's being able to be held by – someone else who can love you and see you when you can't see yourself, your therapist, your facilitator, your yoga teacher, your until that yourself. Sorry? Your community as well. Community, yeah. yes. Um, you know, healing, healing can only occur when you're not in a survival state and when you're in community. You can't do healing work in isolation it seems like sometimes it's all in isolation, but you do need your community and you need love and co-regulation from other people. So, And that's such a beautiful place to be held by somebody that chooses to love you. I think we get caught up in this idea that family is unconditional love and they have to love me. But for someone to come from the outside and to choose to love you and see you and to hold you in all of your messiness and know that you are worthy of this connection, that's really where the true healing can begin to happen. And you can feel it externally. You begin to learn it internally as well. Oh, that is so beautiful. Thank you so much for your time today. What a gorgeous, delicious conversation we've just had. Thanks, Lucy. Um, how can people connect with you? What services do you offer? I mean, I know you you teach yoga. I know you do Reiki. I know you do all these things like breath work and somatic healing. Yeah. Um, yeah, can you share a little bit about how people can reach out to you? Amazing. I teach at the Open Mind Space in Broadmeadow in Newcastle. It is a really beautiful collective of of yogis, of weirdos. You know, oh. there's nothing too weird that you can bring to the table at this studio. It's for the people that maybe don't feel like they fit in anywhere else and this space really allows you to be your true self and to be your authentic self to shine. So I teach there a couple of nights a week. Um, I also offer one-on-one -on -one healings, Reiki healings, 
um, and somatic breathwork healings. So that somatic journey into the deeper parts of your subconscious and unlayering. And Reiki is an energetic healing, uh, working on the energetic layers around your body, helping shift stuck energy and blockages that may be occurring um, on that energetic level. And in the breath work, I use Reiki as well. So you're getting a subconscious level and an energetic level. So I offer that Mondays, uh, Wednesdays and Thursdays from my home in Newcastle. Um, and I also offer some pop-up um, classes around. I have a really beautiful yin and Reiki event that I offer. So if you're not really sure on the Reiki, you're a little bit nervous to give it a go, this yin and Reiki is really beautiful. It's two hours of yin yoga. It's nice and gentle. And then I um, include the Reiki through that. Um, I also have some classes coming to the Open Mind Space On Demand platform as well. So you can kind of tune in when suits you from anywhere in the world. Um, and the Reiki and breathwork can also be done online too. So you don't have to be in person to receive these benefits. Mm. Yes. That's beautiful. And just selfishly, I love yin. Um, it's my favourite in mm. the whole entire world. I discovered yin, I was going through a very anxious time um, in my life, um, just probably a little bit of burnout, um, but I couldn't quite get on top of my anxiety. And as I just, I don't know how I even stumbled across this, it was just bizarre. I just thought I needed to do some, I don't even know how I found it, but I found I was trying to go to sleep and I was like, Yin, I think I typed into YouTube, yoga for bed. Like I didn't even know about this thing called Yin. And next minute I'm doing Yin yoga in bed for bed. <laughs> like it was like, oh, this one you can do in bed. And I was like, oh, fantastic. I don't even need to. And Delicious. oh my goodness, I just lay back on my pillow and drifted off into this most amazing delicious cloud nine sleep and I was hooked I was like whoa this is this is massive I'm doing this forever um and I did actually do it last night which is really beautiful but I haven't you know obviously not every night because I you know I'm I'm a generator that has an open will center and I bounce around with my self-care activities but I um, just, it's just beautiful and delicious and healing. And then when my daughter moved up to Brisbane, she's had a very similar journey to you. Um, she was getting, you know, it was big, it was big for her. And I said, babes, babes, get on YouTube and type in yin yoga. And I'm telling you now, it's going to help you. And she was like, oh my goodness, mom, that was amazing. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's so delicious. Um, so I want to know when is your next two hour yin yoga class with Reiki happening? My next one that I have booked is in Ipswich in Queensland. Oh. So if you want to come for a little vacay. <laughs> um, I'm doing a little tour in March. I'm going back to see my old community and my yogis oh. and offering them a week of yoga. Oh. And yes, 
But if you uh, keep an eye out on Instagram, uh, Mindful Michaela, that is the best spot to find when my next events are up and coming. Um, I think at this stage the next event will be uh, after April, so a little bit later in the year. Um, but you never know. I'm a manifesting generator. I have an undefined route, so things happen last minute. Yeah, it could be one before then as well. <laughs> Gorgeous. Well, I will keep a lookout for that because although, yes, I do like to do it just before bed, I know the beautiful full power of actually going to a class and mm. completely, you know, being held by the yogi teacher and um, and then getting the extra benefit of having a bit of Reiki. How lovely. Yeah. Yeah, so thank you so much for all that you do for um, these beautiful souls that that need um, and choose to work on themselves and start stripping back those layers. I know that, um, yeah, you have something beautiful to offer and you're doing it, you're doing it, you're living, you're living life by design and mm. so thank you. Thank you, Lucy. Thank you for also doing the same. And I so have loved this conversation and being able to connect in this way. That you know, what we're providing our community is yeah, is really special. So thank you. Thank you for being that light as well and for calling in all of these other lights into your circle and your sphere. Um, it's really magic to see. Absolutely. How was your first podcast episode? You made it so easy. So that was easy. amazing. There you go. And tell me, just before we end, because I know at the beginning you said you love romance books. Mm. What's a romance book that you're reading now or one that you've finished or one that you love um, that you'd read again? Oh, my most recent. This was a fantasy romance and when I tell you that, the pages were laced with crack. It's like it is next level addictive. It is, you can't see my fingers because you're on a podcast, but it's a thick book. There's like 600 and fucking pages. And I read it in about four days. And everyone that I've recommended it to have come to me and they're like, Michaela, why have you done this to me? I can't put this book down. Oh. I absolutely was addicted to reading late last year was Fourth Wing. Right. And its second book was I Am Flame. So if you're a little bit sceptical, give it a go because I'm pretty sure the pages are laced with crack. It's <laughs> <really cool. laughs> I've heard about this Fourth Wing business and I haven't gone there, but, yes, it has been recommended to me. I have the book. If you want to borrow it, let me know. I can do you a little coffee and book deal if you'd like. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> I'll reach out. I have got – I'm one of those collector of books, but I can't read them as fast as I collect them. Mm. Yeah, so I've got a, a massive pile of books that I need to get through. Mm. And I'm part of a book club, so that's keeping me honest as well. Yeah, that's um, nice. But it, I will get to it. I, I I will get to fourth wing definitely now. Let me know and I'll bring it in. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you so much for your time today. Mm -hmm.
Thank you, Lucy. And to all our listeners, thanks for tuning in. See you next time.